Calvin. Hello, I thought I heard talking behind the music. Was that you? Were you talking? Yes, that was me. That was me. Uh, I kept hearing some sort of a break in the music. It was like it was playing the beautiful saxophone coming into the show, and it would click. It was breaking up, and I don't know what was happening. I don't know if you heard that as well, but if it's going to keep happening, I just want everybody to know right now it might drive me crazy by the end of this show. Welcome to Careless Whispers on CLNS Radio. My name is Matt Rory. Calvin Chamberlain, this is uh, kind of last minute for us, I guess. It's kind of a strange start. A couple minutes late, couple, running everything late here, as we like to do. Uh, like people can call us at 323 yeah, 642-1484, and you can hit me up on Twitter at Team Green Truth. Calvin, before we get to anything, I want to mention that Sam and San Diego actually tweeted at me wow. for our last show, uh, and I didn't see it until after the show. So this week, I've decided I'm going to stay on Twitter. I'm going to look at Twitter for the whole show, if I have to, and see if anybody says anything. But last week... Sam wasn't able to listen live because he was uh, he was checking out a Star Trek triple feature. He said on Twitter, so he wants he wanted us to assess the upside of Jalen Brown and Brandon Ingram. So right off the bat, for one minute, we're going to answer Sam's question, and as as best you can, even if you don't have a, a great answer. Um, as far as Jalen Brown is concerned, I'll go first so you can like have a second to think about it. As far as Jalen Brown is concerned, I think that he has the potential to be a player like Jay Crowder as far as his intensity is concerned and his uh, his versatility. I think he's going to be able to play multiple positions and defend multiple positions in the NBA. We're talking about his, his, his potential now, his upside, not what he's going to do this year, people. So don't come back and bite me later. Uh, and I think that he has the potential to be more athletic than a, than a guy like Jay Crowder. So that's the comparison that I'm making as far as Jalen Brown is concerned, coming into this season. We'll see if it plays out at all right now. But I think down the line, he he does have the potential to play multiple positions, like I said, and be able to, to defend the elite players in this league after a few years if he develops the way that the people think he will as a number three pick. Your turn, Brandon yeah, Ingram. Oh, do you want me to go to Ingram? I was going to give you some No, you can Brown talk about Brown, too, if you have yeah, yeah. any thoughts on him. Well, well, I've heard – it's funny because from other people I had heard, uh, like, potential James Harden comparisons, and I, I don't really see that because I, I like your Jay Crowder uh, comparison because, one, he's, he's already, uh, you know, in my mind, projected to be a, a better defender than James Harden ever will be. Although you you know you can argue that James Harden has the tools to be a good defender, it's all right. Uh, he just doesn't a lot want of his to effort with him. But I I think that um, yeah, so he he looks better on that end. But I don't think he'll I don't think Jalen Brown will ever be as smooth as James Harden. Like he definitely has the athleticism, but he's more, he's more herky jerky to me, like a guy like Jay Crowder, who like he he sort of looks a little more awkward as he's doing things, even though you see like you know you see the the, the athleticism and the and, and you know the the power or the speed in a on a given play, he just doesn't look as smooth. And, and granted, you know when you're talking about potential, some of that can go away. But I just I don't think his style is like ever going to look like, 
you know, like, like James Harden plays like he's on a string, you know, like very ballet-ish. Where I feel, I Honestly, feel like yeah. Brown, yeah, I'm with I'm with you on that. And just in in general, as a rule, don't compare players, rookies coming out of college to the top five in the NBA. Just please don't do it because those those five guys are elite talents, and they've worked extremely hard to prove uh, their their worth, and that they and they are superstars. Whoever they are, whatever you put in your top five, don't compare these college kids to them. Look at Anthony Davis. He came out and he well, he's an excellent player. He's going. To, he has still has a lot of potential to be one of those top five players. He's not there yet, and some people might consider him to be a bust so far because of his injuries. So just things like that. I just look down further down the list. Look into the the late teens and the twenties as far as the top players in the NBA when you want to compare guys coming out of the college. That's my sentiment as far as anyway, Calvin. Yeah, everyone wants to look at. Yeah, Evan, just like everyone wants to compare Brandon Ingram to Kevin Durant. Brandon Ingram is not Kevin Durant. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. I think uh, a, a better comparison that I've heard, uh, you know, for for Brandon Ingram potentially is like a, a better shooting pace on Prince. You know, I feel a, a little bit more comfortable with that idea. Okay. That, I, that I do like the notion that he would be uh, a Kevin Durant type. I just don't think he has... I think he's uh, significantly slower than Kevin Durant, even though he, he's you know he's going to be able to get his shot over anyone. And once he gets uh, confidence and a little bit more strength, I I feel good about him. But I don't think he'll ever be like a fast NBA player. I think, but he'll be able to make up for that. He has a lot of good defensive instincts that he'll make up for. You know, his lack of speed with his crazy wingspan. So. See, that's more that's more reasonable. I like that comparison. I don't want to hear these comparisons to the top players in the league. Look at a guy, a middle-of-the-road guy that's effective and gets the job done. That's who you want to compare these players to. Look at Jabari Parker. He came out uh, as a top prospect, and people thought he was going to be a stud. And it's taking him some time to get acclimated. And we'll see what he does this year. But he's n- certainly not looked at as a, even a top 50 player at this point, I, would, I wouldn't I would think. Uh, so I'm just saying, pump the brakes on guys coming out of college and guys coming from Europe in the draft. The Celtics signed their second, one of their second-round picks for, to a four-year deal. So, I mean, you never know what's going to happen and who's going to play and who's going to get time. These guys are all young, and uh, they have to work hard at it. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Um that's that for my answering Sam and San Diego's Twitter question from last week that I didn't see until after the show. Uh, so around here, Chris Sale of the Chicago White Sox is actually a big, uh, big topic right now because I don't know if you saw. July. Well, it it is July. It's a it's a fire, Chris Sale in Chicago. Um, bad jokes, bad jokes. But the the Red Sox are really interested in this guy. Obviously, he's a top of the line pitcher. He's a lefty, so the and they they I saw the Dodgers, of course, the Yankees, and whoever it may be. Uh, but people are talking about the Red Sox really wanting to go get this guy, and even more about the fact that one of their top prospects is being looked at by the White Sox as a, a player that they really like as well. Now. I think that it's the White Sox really just playing things up and trying to gain leverage in the situation and uh, 
I, I'm not really sure who all is really interested in Chris Sale because he uh, was just suspended for five games on a team the other day because Calvin, he didn't like the alternate jerseys that they were supposed to wear. So he cut them into pieces. That's right. He cut them into pieces. Well, he, yeah. Not only his, here's the thing. One, one, I'm, I'm reportedly Chris Sale. To get, let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt in in, in uh, what he's saying here. But he reportedly uh, had gone to his manager Robin Ventura before the start of the season and said, you know, if if we're going to wear throwback jerseys, can we make sure that we don't wear them on the day that I'm pitching? And we can talk about the merits of like whether or not it's cool to say that to your manager. But apparently, he had gone to him ahead of time and said that. And, uh, and you know, they, they were wearing these slowback jerseys that uh, apparently do have collars. But for his, his issue was more the fact that, like, uh, he needs to wear his jersey tucked in and these jerseys are untucked. And that was an issue for him somehow when it comes to pitching. And his complaint was he felt like the team was putting business before winning because he, he felt like he uh, could not pitch as well under those, those circumstances. So that's a setup, you know, whether or not you, whether or not you agree with him, like that he should have the right to like tell the team that, or or they should suck it up, is a separate issue than like whether or not it was cool for them to, for him to like then go back and cut up not only his own jersey but but the entire team's throwback jersey, which I, I'd like to know uh, under what scenario did Chris Sale like get access to 30 jerseys and was able to cut them up or 25, I guess, 25 jerseys, was able to cut them up without anybody realizing it until he had gone through all 25. I'd, I'd like to know more about that situation specifically. Was, was, was there some sort of, like, team equipment manager, like, trying to fight with him the entire time when he, he was holding him off while he was cutting these jerseys up? Like, what was going on there? Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that it, it shows that he's he thinks that he's above the team and that, I mean, regardless of what happened before the season, he thinks that he can go and do whatever he wants. So that would be the concern with a guy like that. Uh, would he come to a different team and, and disrupt the clubhouse or would he stand in line with the rest of the guys and do what their manager says? I feel like the Red Sox clubhouse might might be a, a little – end up being a little shaky towards the end anyway because their manager, to me, is – uh, a roller coaster. You never know what this guy's going to pull out of his hatch on Farrell in the, during the course of a game. And some of the decisions he's made over the, the course of this season have been very questionable at best. So um, I, I don't know. As far as Chris Sale is concerned, I'm not really sure where that came from, why he flipped out. And uh, I, I just, I think that uh, as good of an arm as he is, you don't want to give up a, too much for him. So, if the if the Red Sox are talking about one of their top prospects, Benintendi, uh, being being the guy that they're going to send out there, um, or Moncada, the other guy, don't send them both. One or the other, then some lower level prospects. Uh, that's that's what I would I would say. So. Well, here here's the thing you need to realize about uh, Chris Sale. Okay. He's a 27-year-old pitcher who, if you like, if you look at his stats over the last five years, you can argue that he's he's been as good as anyone in baseball outside of Kershaw. Uh, he's making nine million dollars a year, but he's under contract for the next three years. Team control over the next three years. 
And so if you look at all of those things combined, the White, the White Sox are reportedly at – they don't really want to trade him, and they're asking for, like, an outrageous amount of prospects to get him. I don't think that, like, your your proposal would get it done. Like, the, the proposal the Dodgers are, like, talking about, I'm not even sure whether or not I'd, I'd want to do it. He was giving up uh, Urias, who's, like, this crazy high pitcher they have, and their, their next two best pitching prospects, and Yasiel Puig. To, to get sale, and I'm like that's 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 hefty. Sounds yeah, like it see. might be too much. See, no, I'm not saying I don't. I'm not saying I think the Red Sox are going to get a sale. I'm just saying as far as their prospects are concerned, I wouldn't want to give up a whole lot for them and let the Dodgers sell the farm me, as they but do. But let me ask you this question: If you're the Red Sox, why not sell the farm? You guys don't have an ace. You have what? One of the you know three best offenses in baseball. If if, uh, if you have you, if you go into, you know, uh, the playoffs, I guess you have your price, right? If you go to the playoffs, though, with Chris Sale, like, isn't that – isn't winning a World Series worth losing, like, you know, half the farm or whatever? Uh, I'm not so sure because they kind of need to hedge their bets a little bit. They need, they know that David Ortiz is on the way out. They know that – who knows what's going to happen with Pablo Sandoval next year. Uh, Hanley Ramirez might – fall off the wagon if, if Ortiz is not clubhouse. You never know what's going to happen with, with the guys in, on this roster as far as I'm concerned. So uh, in, on one hand, have... yeah, go for, go for the World Series. But on the other hand, you have some stud prospects that are going to be able to contribute very soon in the major leagues. They're ripping the, their way through the minors, double A, triple A, move these guys along at a good pace in the next two years or something, bring them into the major leagues. And let them let them loose. And at that point, these other bigger contracts will be gone, and you really can uh, you you can capitalize on the investment that you made after you tanked it in the draft, and you got a couple of these players that were supposed to be great, and now they're turning out to be that. Okay, but let, let's say you do trade your prospects for Chris Sale. One, yeah, those guys are prospects. Who knows, like whether or not. But he, like even if those guys turn out to be boom players, like the odds of them being Chris Sale is high, are highly unlikely, right? Any any of these prospects. And two, you've already got guys like Bogarts and and Mookie Betts and and other dudes, you know, Bradley, on the team who are already going to be your young players in the future. So like I don't know. It just it, if I was a Red Sox fan, it seems like a no brainer to me. Even as a Dodgers fan, like I I still would trade for Sale because he's a Cy Young caliber pitcher right now. You know who knows? Who knows if anybody will be that guy? Even even Urias, who's you know can't miss and has already become a big baseball player this year at 19. I'm still trading Urias for Chris Sale because Chris Sale's already Chris Sale. All right. You never know with a pitcher when they're going to blow out their arm, though. Um, I just I get nervous with a guy like that, uh, and he is a, he is an outstanding pitcher. I just wouldn't I wouldn't give up the farm. So the Dodgers can have him enjoy enjoy your run to the NLCS where you fall flat for some reason because that's what the Dodgers do, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're yeah, making a good point. But you know what? <laughs> I'd, I'd rather, look, I'd, I'd, I'd rather lose to the NLCS than not get to the NLCS at all. I'd rather try for the World okay. Series and lose to the NLCS than like, you know, be like, damn, we, we don't have enough amazing starting pitchers. Fair enough. All right. I uh, 
jumped around here, and I'm going to jump back around, and we're going to talk some more Celtics because I saw this article that Calvin was referencing to me before the show uh, on ESPN.com, and they have the Celtics tied for second in the East, Calvin, with Toronto. That's their their preseason prediction, their summer forecast, if you will. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that for a second, but before we dig into the ins and outs of first, second, third, whatever, what have you, the number that they're putting on the Celtics is 51 wins, which means that they cracked that 50 barrier. They improved their record again under Brad Stevens, but not a vast improvement uh, with Al Horford. So how do you feel about the Celtics getting 51 wins and tying Toronto in the Eastern Conference for second place and I guess gaining the tiebreaker because they listed them first, unless it's alphabetical. I don't know what they're doing there. No, it's just T2, so I'm going to take them at their word that they don't necessarily rank one above the other. Um, yeah, I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. What Their, their final seeding last year was four, although they tied – was it four or five? It was five, right? It was actually five. But they tied you know, the other teams to attempt to break no, yeah, so they, they felt the they felt six I thought last year. There was a three six matchup. I thought that Miami ended up with a three and Charlotte with a six. And oh, wait, uh, you're right, you're right, because the Celtics were lined up to play Cleveland in this in the second round. You're right. It was the four five. Yeah. So they were the but they were the five seed, yes. Okay, yeah. So yeah, but they were the five seed. But they were they were, you know, they were also tied for third with three other teams. In in another way of looking at it, right? So it's like them them moving up to second uh, with Toronto losing a little bit of their depth. Uh, it doesn't seem unreasonable to me at all. And Toronto doesn't seem like a you know a, a team necessarily that's locked into being a good team every year. Like, could I see them okay. falling off the map early as next season? So sure. if you're if you're just taking their records last year at face value, and you're saying Toronto lost a little, they gained Jared Sellinger. Not that that's a great thing. I've, I've bashed him for a long time here on the on these airwaves. Uh, but is he that much of a downgrade from Bismack Bismack Biombo that they're going to lose five five more games? Like ESPN is taking five games away from Toronto compared to their record from last year. Uh, yeah, here's the thing. Uh, your, your question in a vacuum is, is Jared Sullinger it might be that much of a downgrade from Biombo if, if his job is to replicate Biombo as a defensive center. He's never going to, he's never going to be in Biombo defensively. Uh, but I don't think it matters because the, the Raptors are just going to start Valanciunas anyway. People don't get that like, Biombo was a 20-minute game player throughout a lot of the season. Right. That's, you know, that's, what, he, that's what I'm trying to say is that I don't, I don't think that that's much of a that, – that it's a five-game loss here for them, even if it's just looking at Biombo leaving. Uh, forget about Sollinger. I, I just I feel like if you're gonna give the Celtics three wins for gaining Al Horford, then the it, Toronto shouldn't lose five wins for losing Bismack Biombo. I I just I, I disagree with the tie thing. I think Toronto still should be considered the team that's going to win the Atlantic Division, and I think ESPN is uh, is being cowardly and hedging their bets here which is something I love to do on this show. Uh, but in this well, instance, I'm denouncing it. 
Toronto has also had like a long-standing history of like disastrous second halves of the season, which they didn't have last year for the you know the first time in forever. But like like Toronto was a, a two seed two years ago, and you remember like early on, and then they fell off during the second half once Kyle Lowry started running down energy. I feel like the, the the style that Lowry plays, like inevitably he wears down, and like yeah, this season it really didn't happen until the playoffs started. But like he's, you know, he's getting a little bit older, and you, who knows? My point is, is yeah, Toronto. You could say Nate should still be the favorite for the number two. I think that that's reasonable. I just don't think. I think that they're a vulnerable favorite. I'm like, like they're not San Antonio, is what I'm getting at. You know what I mean? Like, you you don't think like, okay, this team is going to be there for sure. They could be the number two, but they could also easily be the number five or six. In fact, I guess that's sort of how I feel about the East in general right now. I mean. We're not anywhere close to doing our predictions. It was just that this article came out and was interesting. But if you just look at, like, what they're saying, they have the Pistons as the four seed in the East right now. So that's, like, that's like the kind of volatility that we're talking about in the Eastern Conference. And I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I mean, I, under- that I understand that. And that's that's fine. That's all well and good. But it, it just – yeah. It, to put hard numbers on it like that at this point, it, it seems – like they're they're stretching a little bit, and they're not actually looking at what the teams did last year compared to what happened around them and all that. And I I just I'm not sure where they're yeah. coming from. That's all. The yeah, one not, interesting thing that I I saw though uh, that I thought you would take a liking to is the fact that they have Chicago out of the playoffs. Hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. It it is interesting to me. Oh. Shoot, you, remi- you just reminded me of a story I totally forgot. That we might that I is way more interesting than the Celtics thing. You might have just transitioned right. right into it. Go for it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, have you heard? Have you heard? Uh, Derek Rose recently was quoted uh, <laughs> when, when Adam Silver said uh, that you know super teams are bad for the NBA, which is something uh-huh. else that we could have discussed, but I forgot. This is what happens. I think of I think of awesome stories during the week, and then Tuesday comes around, and this case Wednesday, and I totally forgot. Like I totally forget what I wanted to talk about, and then I have to scramble and come up with things at the last minute. Anyway, yeah. So he was he said that uh, that now I'm misquoting him, but he said that the NBA, uh, yeah, the NBA doesn't like super teams like the Warriors and Knicks. Derrick Rose. <laughs> Think right. that the Knicks are the type of super team that Adam Silver is talking about when he says it's bad for the NBA. Do you? Now, my question to you is. Go ahead. I was going to say now, the, is this a situation where he's just trying to get the fans excited and make this perception that he still has confidence in himself and that he can take a team like the Knicks with him and Carmelo Anthony? And whoever else they threw together on that roster, uh, Porzingis, I guess you have to throw his name on there, and and do that and make make a, a, a super team and run make a run for the number one seed. Is, is this a sense of confidence that he's trying to put out there? I'm I'm not so sure, but either way, he sounds like a little bit. They they also signed Joaquin Noah and Brandon Jennings. Uh, yes, Brandon Jennings, the Milwaukee cast-off who couldn't stick in Orlando uh, to play or play in front of Alfred Payton. Not better than Alfred Payton. So he's he's going to be good in New York. He's going to 
He's going to play well with Derrick Rose. He's going to back up Rose or well or something. I don't. Brandon Jennings is not a name to throw out there. And Joakim Noah, um, I think he's he was he just ran after the money, right? Yeah, I guess this is this is the interesting question question to me, which is, does Derrick Rose actually believe this, or is he just saying this to try to help to hype up the fans? I feel like I could go either way on this. Derrick Rose, you know, was a player who won an MVP, probably thinks he can get back to that level. I guess I, I lean toward him actually believing that. But, like, he can't – I maybe – I guess my thing is, like, Derrick Rose probably believes that, but he can't believe that Adam Silver believes that, right? He can't think that, like, other people look at it that way. No, I I mean, he might be saying that him and – or that he and uh, Carmelo are a good team or a good uh, – tandem, I should say, and that they're going to play well together, but overall, I mean, if if he thinks that people watching the NBA think that they're a super team, like comparative with Golden State, then he's losing his mind, and he's overconfident. Yeah, I just, I think that's that's like a delusional level of confidence, so it, it, it's hard for me to, like, see him getting there, but on the other hand, like, I think that's also a part of greatness is allowing you to, like, tune out what other people say, and maybe he's just enough. Maybe he's in a bubble enough to like actually think that people perceive him that way. But it just comes across as insane to me. All right. Well, we go from one former Chicago superstar to uh, another former Chicago MVP and superstar. Um, I'm echoing for some reason. Um, Michael Jordan, Calvin, finally, for the first time, basically ever spoke his word or spoke his mind, I should say, gave his words, put a statement out there about a political topic, a social issue in the United States of America. He has always been mute on those situations. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't bring anything, any attention to his beliefs. And he has now donated two million dollars, one million to a, 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 a police charity, and one million to the NAACP. So he's supporting both sides of this police slash racial uh, violence movement that's been happening over the past couple of years, and it's escalating lately with more police shootings and more civilians being killed by police, and just things that shouldn't be happening. So Michael Jordan, the, one of the most prominent people in the, in the sports world has finally said something and he's basically denouncing all of it. And uh, he wants peaceful talks among all the different organizations and groups and advocates for either side of this situation that's engulfing our country at this point. And uh, frankly, I mean, I think it's, kind of about time a lot of the more a lot of the younger athletes the the more modern day athletes lebron james for one of them you have to give him credit for always speaking his mind for all the criticism that i give lebron james about his demeanor and his play on the court and just the way that he uh, he uh presents himself to the media you have to give him credit for speaking his mind about certain values in this country so i think that players like that do have some sort of a responsibility to get the word out because there might be people that listen to what they have to say 
that don't really understand what's going on throughout the country or may have a, an opinion that is uneducated or something like that. And maybe they're getting their information from these superstar players. Before I continue to ramble, I want to let you go with it. But the point is, I'm glad Michael Jordan said something about this and actually spoke his mind and was very coherent in the whole situation. I thought his statement that he put out there was spot on. Here, I have a couple of issues with this. One, like, yeah, after he said this, a lot, I've heard a lot of echoing of what you've said, which is like about time. You know, Jordan famously uh, in the 90s had a quote about how Republicans buy sneakers to you. I'm sure you've heard that. Ken Code as well. He gave to Sam Smith and one of his butts. Uh, and people have long criticized Jordan for, you know, not taking a stand on a, on a particular issue. I guess my I've, I've always had a problem with this mentality of like not allowing people to to like think what they want or like or choose to say or not say what they want. It, you know, it, like it, it manifests ourselves in society in so many ways. Like people demanding that you vote, you know, rock the vote or whatever, or like. That you you speak out in certain situations, and even I look at uh, Jordan's statement itself, and it's very like the statement is just as like politically neutral as not saying anything at all in my opinion. Like I, I'm glad that he gave money to both of these organizations, and he, I'm glad that he like you know. So uh, that's the that's the thing that. That's that's where you, where the statement comes from, though. If he didn't give any money, he probably wouldn't have said anything at all. You're right. Uh, yeah, I, that's that's fine. Look, give the money, make the statement. But what bothers me is like the about time reactions from people. Like Carmelo Anthony said that it's been you know going out through through NBA. Like like look, I don't. Uh, what what if Jordan came out okay and and instead uh, of of you know, making the statement that he made, he made a, a statement that, uh, you know, that maybe disagreed with he, not you, but like you, the person who wants Jordan to make it. No, I to, see, to I see what you're saying. I, no, I, I know exactly what you're getting at. And what, yeah. what if Jordan came out and disagreed with the popular belief that, uh, and just didn't yeah. say any what of the that, neutral what? stuff that he said in that statement? What if he said something on one side or the matter. other? It doesn't matter which side he's on. Yeah. No, it doesn't Think matter. of the extreme that you... Yeah, think of the extreme people out there that you disagree with, and that's the side Michael Jordan's on. That's where devil's advocate Calvin's coming in right now. Well, my my point, no, no, but it's not even devil's advocate Calvin. It's, it's devil's advocate. Like I, like I find it so pompous the way people in people want athletes to speak out on issues, but they don't really want athletes to speak out on issues. They want athletes to speak out in support of their personal beliefs on issues. Oh, that, I, that's what bothers me. We're in this country. We're entitled to our own beliefs. Like, you, you want athletes to come out and like, have a homogenous opinion that re- reflects whatever your opinion happens to, happens to be. In fact, Jordan's opinion, it's, it's probably, you know, based on this statement and based on the fact that he's incredibly wealthy and also, like, he seems to be incredibly, you know, centrist in a lot of his the, – the way his ideology, like, reflects, I'm sure – uh, his beliefs don't necessarily reflect that of, you know, what the, what the people who are demanding that Jordan speak out, like he probably doesn't actually believe. 
you know, there, there's also simultaneously going on uh, Adam Silver talking about how the, the All Star Game is not going. This is another topic that I just realized I forgot that I wanted to talk about. Not going to go. Not going to be happening in Charlotte because of the LBGT law, uh, the bathroom law that's being passed. And Jordan didn't speak on that, even though it's affecting his franchise directly. And reportedly, one of the owners of the Hornets uh, is a- opposed to them taking the All Star Game out of Charlotte for that reason. He could have an opinion on that, but he but he doesn't. Or maybe he does. But he doesn't express that opinion. It, maybe that opinion is, hey, you guys should still have the All-Star game in Charlotte, and I don't have a problem with this law. But if he came out and said that, all these people who want Jordan to express his opinion would be furious about it. It's like you're only allowed to, to express your opinion when you give an opinion that the people who want you to express reflects hmm. their own. And that's, that's my issue with it. Is that unreasonable for me? Maybe it is. No, that's that's not unreasonable. No, I don't think it is. But I, but I think that... Um, that's part of the problem with the whole thing is that people people are trying to be trying to live in this democracy right people want americans to be able to be free and do whatever they want and just and have that freedom that the constitution says we should have and all of this but it nowadays lately i feel like everybody's offended by everything so that's that's what people don't understand you can't have freedom of speech and then be offended by everything that's, that somebody's saying. You need to let people have their opinions. And the, the only time where I think that you should stand in their way and, and put a stop to it is if it becomes violent. And that is when you need to have law enforcement step in or something of the like. If, if it's a peaceful demonstration, people can say whatever the hell they want as far as I'm concerned. And it, you can be derogatory towards any – any living person, if you so feel that way, and people are going to look at you as as a as a bad person if that's the way that you speak, and but you're allowed to say those things, and that, so that's that's where if if people are going to get offended by things, then they shouldn't be calling for freedom of speech and advocates of that. So if they're trying to ride the fence on both sides, like you're saying, then I totally agree. That's reasonable of you to question it, but I think that you have to let the people that want to hear from a guy like Michael Jordan, get his response and then process it and then determine whether they're being unreasonable or not. That's all. Murray, uh, you know, he's being coy about it, but, uh, you know, Tom Brady has appeared to be somewhat a, a supporter of Donald Trump. Do you think that if, if Tom Brady came out tomorrow and he's like, He's like, you know what? I can't, I can't stay silent anymore. Uh, I, I support Donald Trump for president. Make America great again. Do you think that the, the reaction to that with his community? Do you think that your reaction? Do you think that Carmelo Anthony's reaction would be like, finally, Tom Brady speaks out, and finally, an athlete you know speaks out about his own personal issues, and like, it's so great, guys taking a stand in support of Donald Trump. Do you think that'd be the, the reaction? Um, that would probably not be the reaction uh, in general, especially around here. But I, I feel like across the country, there might be people that don't like Tom Brady. And I'm only I'm not trying to trying to pinpoint locations, but I feel like most of the country doesn't like Tom Brady. And a lot of other areas of the country do like Donald Trump. So if they heard that Tom Brady liked Donald Trump, maybe transitive property, they would like Tom Brady a little bit 
in the back of their mind, whether they like to admit it or not. So I think it, around here, that would not be the, the reaction. But overall, if you were to poll the nation a few months after that news came out, I feel like the the popularity level of Tom Brady would actually increase. And I don't know, I don't know the the uh, political base of our listeners out there, Calvin. So I don't want to, I don't want to toe any party lines. But um, I I just Donald Trump has been a big surprise to a lot of people, I think. And um, I, I just I don't I don't know where things are going with either with any of these candidates right now. Okay. So, so what you're saying, go ahead. What you're saying is that the reaction to Brady uh, would essentially come down to how you feel, how you feel about Donald Trump politically. That's the point that I'm making. It's like no one would just be happy. Hey, hey, Tom Brady's sharing his political <laughs> exactly. Opinion. No, great. I'm with you that's on that great. one. Yes. Yeah, that's great that an athlete's giving his political opinion. That's what they. See, that's what. That's how people react condescendingly when they agree. With, right. With, so like so, okay. Okay, Jordan's doing something like, and you agree with it. Great, but like you're you're like, oh, about time he did something. I've been waiting for him to do something. You've been waiting for him to do something you wanted him to do. Like okay, that's, but, that's, but, but okay, on the other know, side of it though, I would I would like to think I would like to think that people around here would would say uh, something to, to to the sort or some something like, uh, well, that's that's good of him to speak up. I disagree with what he's saying. I hope that he goes and scores. 50 touchdowns this year. That should be the reaction for fans of, of Tom Brady that disagree with him. If they like Donald Trump as well, then all more power to him. They'll probably like Brady even more, but it shouldn't, it, it shouldn't diminish your thoughts of Tom Brady as a player and what he's done, regardless of how you view him politically or anything of, of the like. That's, that's what I'm getting at here. You let the man speak his mind and don't denounce him for it. Just still cheer for him on Sunday. That's you know who you sound like. Like if, if Tom Brady came out and supported Trump, you're right. Then I, I, he would come out and support Trump, and then the next day on ESPN.com, I would see an article that said, despite endorsing Trump, uh, Tom Brady's Hall of Fame legacy won't be hurt by this. That's that's exactly what we have. That's exactly you're what we right. Like like people just, like go right back to his football accomplishments and yep. try to ignore him doing something they disagree yes. with. But what they wouldn't what they wouldn't be doing is like great an athlete took a stand. Athlete taking a stand. Fantastic. No. That's what I said I would like to think that they would do that. That's the that's the ideal reaction to what what happens. But you're right. They probably wouldn't. That's the way that's that's where we are as a society. Yeah. Things are go, things are going really well. Yeah, they're going great. That's yeah. I don't even want to get into the politics aspect of it. It's the nope, hypocr- I try not the to. Hypocrisy. Yeah, the hypocrisy part of it is what bothers me. Yeah, it's all smoke and mirrors anyway. They're all they're all pulling strings. Yeah. Every George, single one of them. Let George say what he wants to say. Let him not say what he wants to say. He's not under any obligation to say anything. Some, you 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 about time people. You, like it's about time you <laughs> shut up. Shut up. All right, then that's going to be it for that topic. Yeah. Um, I had to get rid of the list, so um, okay. I think Brock Lesnar is next. Brock right? Lesnar is next. Yes. Okay. So, you know, we don't talk about wrestling that much because it's not a real sport. But, you know, we're Although, is a... uh, side, sidebar, they're trying to make it look like a real sport. Have you seen the the last couple of nights of the new, the new editions of Raw and SmackDown? I have not. 
I'm telling you, man, they're they're doing it like the commentators are standing up, uh, coming back from break. They're having interviews after matches and stuff. It's really like on the floor. It's very strange. They're trying to make it look like a real sport, and I just I don't I don't know where they're going with it, but that's the little sidebar. Anyway, Brock Lesnar is not only a WWE guy; he's a UFC guy as well, and he recently fought. But what happened to him now? Well. Recently, uh, one of their stars, Roman Reigns, was suspended for a month for violating uh, the, the terms of their wellness policy, which uh, you know mainly is, I'm sure, is designed to protect the company from. They've had a long history of athletes dying of you know steroid and other drug abuse, and, and you know, they've been subjected to several lawsuits. So they've had to clean up their act medically. Okay. <laughs> Now, you can argue whether or not you know, they have their athletes' best interest at heart, but the bottom line is, is they have a policy you know, trying to make sure no one uses illicit drugs. Roman Reigns was recently caught and suspended for 30 days. But Lesnar was not caught under their, their testing policy, and in fact, as a part-time athlete, who knows if he even does get tested by WWE. But we do know right. that Brock Lesnar recently fought in a UFC event at UFC 200, and afterward it was revealed that he failed two separate SADA uh, sanctioned drug tests. You know, they're the, the best drug testing uh, company in the world. They, uh, organization rather, they also found John Jones uh, failed a drug test under the same drug, apparently. And the WWE chose to ignore the fact that he failed two separate drug tests while suspending another guy for uh, a drug test of their own. Do you think, that, one, that this is bad for him, that, like, they should have suspended him? And two, well, like, is there any, under any obligation to, like, look at the fact that he, like, he just failed this other drug test in a super public manner, and, like, they're not, they're choosing to do nothing about this? Like, you think that's Yeah, really so, um, this is... I, I think did we we didn't touch on the lawsuit last week. I think we skipped over it because we kind of ran out of time. But there were, there was a concussion lawsuit uh, that was filed against the WWE last week by former wrestlers, and um, this might have something to do with it because some of the details of that lawsuit, Calvin, were that they were alleging that Vince McMahon would find loopholes in contracts and purposely write loopholes into contracts so that he could avoid being sued when these guys sustained life-threatening injuries or they sustained injuries that were going to debilitate them at some point. And uh, that, that's what the lawsuit alleges. So if you, if you look at it that way, you can sort of say that uh, maybe Vince McMahon is trying to find another loophole here. And since Brock Lesnar is only a part-time employee, maybe the fact that he was tested during a time that he was not actually working for the WWE will absolve him from any WWE punishment. Maybe that's the way they're looking at it. And if Vince McMahon was asked, I'm sure he either wouldn't answer or he would give you an answer to, to that effect. Uh, but it's, it, it, I would imagine it's a legal loophole and no, it's probably not morally right. Um, because I mean, they're advertising Brock Lesnar as being one of the main, main event cards, or one of the main events on the card for for uh, SummerSlam coming up against Randy Orton. So it, it, it's not like he is out of the loop as far as the WWE is concerned. He's just not performing 
on television for them and probably not really practicing with them at, at, at this point. Maybe he has started now, but I think that, that that's that's the way to look at it. If they are probably finding a, a legal loophole and that's how they're going to not have to suspend Brock Lesnar or maybe they did suspend Brock Lesnar behind the scenes and he just wasn't going to be on the air anyway. So they didn't say anything about it. Yeah. When they came out and said that they weren't going to suspend him. So I'm going to take them at their word on that. But I, I think ultimately what it comes down to is Brock Lesnar is like not a guy that they can afford to lose. And I think if they did suspend him, Brock, Brock Lesnar knowing the temperament and persona he has, I feel like they need him more than he needs them. Brock Lesnar could have easily walked from them, and so they cowered from, you know, the idea, the notion of suspending Brock Lesnar, especially when you add in the fact that they have this pay-per-view, one of their two, their second biggest pay-per-view of the year, although I would argue third, right? It's not bigger than the Royal Rumble. Shut up, SummerSlam. Look, it's, not, it's just not. But uh, yeah. with that in I'm... mind, like, yeah, I, I, I think the idea was, like, they've already promoted at, they promoted at UFC event for Brock Five. They right. were going to fight Randy Orton at this upcoming event, and they were just business-wise not willing to think they did, even though principle-wise it was probably the, the correct thing to do. If I'm Roman Reigns, I'm pretty mad right now. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think it's just like... But then again, they are a private company, and they're entitled to do whatever they want. It's not like they are an actual sport, so they're... They're free to not right. suspend them. I think it makes them look bad. Well, I don't think they're really going to lose any ratings because of it. They might even gain ratings because Brock Lesnar is still there. Um, we'll have to wait and see on that one. Uh, what is next? We are skipping Liz. I'm not sure where she's at right now, but that's okay. Okay. Uh all right. Well, then we might have a short show because we're running low on topics yet. Yeah, I know. Uh, we're we're ripping through it, so I decided that I was going to head on over to uh, ESPN.com and see if I could drum anything up. Are there any uh, any? Do you want to talk about Team no, USA? Nothing. nothing. I you know what do we have to say about Team USA? Kevin Durant's getting booed in other places. Well, do you want to talk? Is. Do you want to talk about uh, Amari Stoudemire taking wine baths? Oh, uh, he takes wine baths. Yeah, there's a video here uh, on ESPN.com of Amari Stoudemire t- doing wine therapy, where he uh, he sits in a cold tub full of wine, and I guess it soothes him or something. I don't know. I haven't watched the video, but. Uh, I don't know if he drinks it or I, what, but he's, he's sitting there in the wine with a reporter. Let's talk about Amari Stoudemire briefly, actually. Because Amari Stoudemire retired today or yesterday. You hear about this? Yeah, as and, a New York Nick, yes. Yeah, as a New York Nick. Like, first of all, I don't understand why he's retiring as a Nick. <laughs> he, had, he had one good year with Knicks, and then he blew out his knee. That's what I thought of as well. Field? Yeah, is he from New York? Okay. I feel like Amari Stoudemire is like you think of the Suns if you're like trying to think of good Amari Stoudemire, right? All of his good right. years. It's the say, Suns. It's the Suns. That's when he was lighting things up. Yeah, yeah. it's not the Knicks. Yeah, all of his good years save one were in Phoenix. And I, I feel like maybe you just don't want to, maybe you just like wanted to be in New York when you retired so you could just hang out in New York as opposed to like having to fly out of Phoenix. But he just seems like he was going to go somewhere and sign a one-day contract. 
Like, I don't know. I, I'd go back to Phoenix. And maybe there's bad blood there. Yeah, maybe Phoenix didn't want him. Where, where else does he go, though? I mean, he didn't want to retire as a Miami Heat. Where was he last year? That's where he was, you're right? Telling me the, you're telling me the Suns wouldn't, wouldn't give him a one-day contract? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. I wonder what you have to do to, like, get a one-day contract. Do you do you call a team? You, get, you don't get paid for that day, right? Um, I don't know. I guess you probably would, right? You take a maybe you take a minimum wage or veterans minimum for one day. I, I don't know. Minimum wage. <laughs> yeah, minimum minimum NBA wage. Minimum <laughs> veterans wage. Minimum veteran salary. But your salary, you're, you're not. Like your your salary doesn't even begin right now, right? And, like you, NBA players don't even start getting paid until uh, training camp, oh. correct? I don't know. I, I didn't realize that was how it worked. I thought they got paid. Oh, maybe you're right, because they, they stopped getting paid in July, right? Yeah. Beginning of, of July around the draft. Yeah. Oh, I need to know the answer to these questions. All right, now we're just, we're just wasting time, anyway. man. We are. What's next? Uh, next is... Very Peyton Manning... Uh, the NFL reportedly looked into the Peyton Manning HGH allegations. Uh, he apparently gave the NFL total cooperation in investigating the Al Jazeera report that he used HGH. And the NFL has come, come back and found that Peyton Manning has been cleared of HGH violations. Isn't that great? Don't you feel good about the NFL now? I mean, it feels like a, it feels like a hollow statement. It feels like an empty statement there. Like, why do you even need to throw that out there? What's the point? Cleared. How do you prove that? Where's the proof? Where's the Where's the 18 month investigation? Where's the Wells report on that one? I I want to know. Ray, I'm just glad to have something to believe in again, and that thing is the cleanness of Peyton Manning. No, look, I don't know. Yeah, so I, I did a little research on this. All right, and. So I don't know why the NFL bothered to investigate Peyton Manning in the first place. Well, actually, I do know why. The reason is is because uh, <laughs> there, are, there are like five other players uh, named in this report, including guys like James Harrison. Uh, there was a kicker. I forget the other names right now. But the point is, is like Peyton Manning reportedly gave the NFL full cooperation. Talked to, they talked to him and his wife and like allowed them to look at like their receipts. But the, the problem with this, this uh, you know, investigation of whether or not Peyton Manning used HGH is, is the Al Jazeera reporter, the guy who, like, uh, that he had a conversation with, uh, who reportedly, like, sold him the drugs, the company that that guy's connected to, none of these people are connected to the NFL. The NFL is not the FBI, okay? They don't have any actual power in investigating anything. Look, I can say I'm, I'm investigating you, Rui for, uh, you know, whether or not you used HGH, and I can go to your work and, and ask your coworkers if they've ever seen you sign for any HGH or, you know, uh-huh. go to your girlfriend and say, have you ever seen Rory take HGH? And they can choose to say yes or no or not answer me at all. You know why? Because I'm just a guy. So those right. NFL's investigative team. Their, team. their team is utterly irrelevant. Like, they, like, nobody had any obligation to tell them anything. They haven't, like... They haven't said what anybody said, or even if like even even if they talked to anybody, we don't know. But the, but my point is, is their ability to investigate this, especially because these allegations are 
something that uh, reportedly happened five years ago, which is like even if they could talk to all of those people and even if they were all honest, okay, like trying to find out, you know, something that happened five years ago that probably has a sketchy paper trail at best, it's possible for like all that information to be lost, evidence to be damaged or lost, okay? So like their, their ability to even find out if Peyton Manning used HGH five years ago is spotty at best. So great great for you, NFL, that you cleared him. But NFL, you have no idea. And I'll take it one step further, right? If you're the NFL and you do somehow, through, through the, the miraculous ability of your amazing investigative team, find that, that Peyton Manning used HGH five years ago, you find that now in July of 2016, I have no confidence that the NFL would actually divulge that information and say, you know what, Peyton Manning did use HGH five years ago, because what would be in it for them? It would just make the NFL look terrible. They can't suspend Peyton Manning now. He's, he's already retired. What, what kind of punishment could they – what, are they going to retroactively take the Super Bowl away from, uh, away no, from the Broncos? No, do that. Yeah. Nope, they're not going to do anything yeah. like that. Yeah, they just won the Super Bowl. I feel like if, if I'm the NFL, and even me, yeah, even me, who's like, I'm, I'm a perpetually honest person. I would, if I found, if I did uncover evidence that he used HGH, I would seriously consider not saying anything because it's just going to make your company look terrible in at, at a time when like they've already looked bad when it comes to all sorts of things. So like, I, I don't think they, I don't think that they have the ability to figure out whether or not he used HGH, and I don't think even if they did, that they would say anything. So thank you for clearing him, but that was an entirely pointless exercise as far as I'm concerned. I couldn't Sorry, agree you know, more. Like no, I could. No, I couldn't agree more. That that seems to be dead on to me. There's no point for them to be putting anything out there about Peyton Manning. I mean, he, like you said, they're not going to retroactively do anything. He's gone. He's, he's a player that's not even relevant. So to me, there's got to be some sort of backdoor, underhanded thing here, poking at Tom Brady, and that's the conspiracy theorist in me talking, Calvin. I'm just going to come out there and throw it right against the wall because I think the NFL still has it out for this guy. I think they have it out for the Patriots. And I think coming out and clearing a guy like Peyton Manning to make him clean and make his, make his image look squeaky clean again. They didn't clear him of those allegations of sexual assault in, uh, in Tennessee at college though. They they didn't do an investigation into those allegations and those actions that he may or may not have done pretty much. I like it. Did. You know, like, where's where's that clearing of Peyton Manning? Like, if you want his image to be squeaky clean, go back and get some of that stuff because it's out there and people are still talking about it. We're talking about it right now. So the point is, I think that this statement about Peyton Manning is hollow. I think it's directed at the Patriots and Tom Brady, even though um, HGH and deflating football should not be linked. They are in the NFL's mind the same thing. They are the same offense. Equipment tampering and using HGH is the same thing in the NFL's mind. So I just, I can't take them seriously. I just, I can't look at the NFL and say, you are a credible source of crime and punishment. You know what's going on with that. You can, you're, you're putting the right punishment to the crime. Good job, NFL. No, I can't look at them and say that because I think they're all a bunch of clowns. Rory, I've got one more question to you in regards to the subject, which is that, again, Peyton Manning reportedly cooperated fully with the NFL. He provided them with, like, 
uh, all sorts of information that, like, he's not actually legally required to give them uh, under the, the guidelines of the, uh, the, the players' organization, uh, you know, their relationship with the NFL and, like, what they do in, in these investigative cases. There have been some notions that, like, Peyton Manning is sort of undermining uh, the players' organization because these other guys, like Harrison and the other dudes who are involved in the same Al Jazeera uh, situation, they're the ones who can be punished by the NFL. Peyton, can the NFL can't do anything to Peyton. Do you feel like he's sort of throwing these other dudes under the bus by, you know, flaunting their, their protection rights uh, that have been hammered out through collective bargaining agreements and just sort of giving the NFL everything hey. they want? And these other, you know what? I didn't. I didn't really yeah. think about that because maybe maybe the NFL now is not even, maybe it's not even about Tom Brady. Maybe it's about these other guys, and the NFL is trying to push them to to give them more, excuse me more information. Wow, that was sorry about that. And I'm echoing again. Do you hear that? No, you you're like cutting out a bit, but I'm not really hearing much echo. Something wonky's happening tonight. Anyway, um, the point is that maybe maybe they're trying. He's the NFL is trying to get uh, these other guys to to speak up and actually give them some information and say, look, Peyton Manning did it, and blah blah blah. But I feel like that's again hall that's hollow. It's false information. It's misleading because regardless of whether the NFL has anything on Peyton Manning or not, they can't do anything about it. And they're not going to announce that he was found to take HGH. If that stuff is true to be found, you're going to hear about that down the line. And that'll be leaked somewhere else by somebody else because they've heard otherwise. And the NFL may or may not have to explain why they covered it up. This is all hypothetical, of course. So I feel like they're just, grasping at straws here and I just regardless of how their what their their meaning is behind the statement it's it's hollow to me it doesn't it doesn't mean anything agreed agreed sorry all right good talk good talk guys good, good talk is there anything else I thought there maybe was where uh, am I here yeah another NFL story uh, that's right in it yeah. In a similar vein, Ray, I don't know if you've heard, but the NFL has partnered, again, with the NFLPA in uh, new guidelines for concussion protocol. They're going to have a, you know, uh, an NFL investigator uh, at every game, you know, with every team to make sure, uh, apparently, to uh, do investigations into whether or not concussion protocols were followed. And it, it turns out that, like, if they were not followed correctly, uh, a team could be fined uh, up to $150,000 the first time. And it can, after that, it, it can increase exponentially. How do you feel about that, Ray? Wait, say that again? Say the entire thing again? Okay, so... They've uh, changed their concussion protocol, which well, they're going to have, like, somebody with every NFL team make sure. Right, right. Make, so, yeah, somebody's going to be on the sideline, but I'm saying, what what is the uh, the, the fine again the, with the exponential? What's the first number? I'm sorry. Okay. 
the first number is anywhere from fifty to one hundred fifty thousand dollars for a first. So a first it's time arbitrary. Violation. So it's arbitrary. They it's a sliding scale or something. Yeah. They can just pick any random number. They throw a dart at at the board well, and see what comes up. Give me a yeah. break. Come on. All right, next. Fifty thousand. Fifty thousand minimum. A hundred thousand right. minimum for the second in, in every additional violation. And <laughs> excuse me. If there's circumstances where it uh, it appears that the team is not following protocol because of competitive considerations, uh, Roger Goodell can determine that the club may also be required to forfeit draft picks and face in, in other words, fire. in other words, if he doesn't like you and he thinks that you're dodging the concussion protocol, you're screwed. Yeah, exactly. You are screwed. Yes. But my my question to you were arbitrary this. again again it's it's arbitrary situation it's totally objective or subjective excuse me uh, and it's up to Roger Goodell's decision it's going to be what what he thinks that's the thing that the players need to negotiate out of their next collective bargaining agreement right there get that power away from Roger Goodell well here's here's what bothers me about this okay I don't like. I don't understand why, under these circumstances, okay, the, the team has – first of all, I don't understand this idea of, like, somebody's there at the game, like, they're, they're quote, doing an investigation into whether or not doctors followed protocol. Well, why can't – I don't understand why this guy can't just be there watching to see whether or not, like, protocol is followed. And if protocol is not followed, why can't this guy from the NFL be the arbiter to say, like, even if team doctors clean him, say no protocol wasn't followed properly, therefore this guy can't get back on the field. Instead, they're like going to allow him to get on the field and then retroactively yeah, investigate and say, yeah, it, it say no protocol wasn't properly followed. But if somebody's right there watching, I don't understand where the where the investigation comes into play. Like, why? How can? How is that not determined immediately? If protocol exists, yeah. protocol is protocol, right? So like. Right. So have somebody enforce it right then and there. You're right, uh, but they are yeah. they're all in they're into these these after the fact investigations where they can go and ask questions yeah. and really dig into the issue and all this crap. And it's all a bunch of BS and I, I just I wish it would all go away. It's it's ridiculous. It seems more dangerous for the player too because obviously the whole point of this, okay? Is that team doctors, you know, cannot be trusted? And I guess uh, this this is coming from a, a Case Keenum lawsuit uh, filed on behalf of the players' organization where he got a concussion and they put him back in the field. They didn't feel like protocol was followed uh, accurately, so the NFL, you know, said, "All right, well, we'll, we'll do something to make sure protocol is followed." But the common sense thing to do, and clearly, clearly, the reason why my suggestion is not being taken up has something to do with the fight between the, the NFLPA and the NFL itself, and they, they want to, like, you know, still allow team doctors to have this power. Maybe I'm sure teams have something to do with this, too. Like, no, we don't trust other doctors. We, but, we, but you don't even have to have it be Oh, definitely. Because you just have to have it be somebody who knows what concussion protocol is and sit there, sits there and watches them follow it and then says, yes, protocol was followed. That, that guy, look, whether or not a guy has a concussion or not, it's not 100% provable. But, but if you're going to have a protocol – then look, you, you can easily just have somebody know the protocol, watch right there, and then decide whether or not it's been followed. I don't understand why this is so complex that instead you're going to retroactively like, still allow people to get on the field when they have concussions. Because apparently, like, 
that's what both sides want. You're just going to pretend like it, like we're cracking down on this, even though you're, even though there's a way more simple solution than this idea of like, oh, it turns out you guys didn't follow protocol after all. Now we're going to fine you $150,000, which, by the way, by the way, you know, look, if, if I'm the Patriots, if I'm Bob Kraft and Tom Brady gets hurt and, you know, uh, this is you know a game whether or not we're gonna make the playoffs. Guess what? Like like I'll, even if, even if it's not a game where you're not gonna make the playoffs, let's say it's the third game of the regular season, and I decide you know what he doesn't seem that bad. He seems all right, but we didn't follow protocol to the D. I'm I'm gonna throw that hundred fifty thousand dollars out of my couch cushions in a heartbeat. Like what does that mean to to NFL teams? A hundred and fifty grand. That doesn't mean anything. It's very true, actually. It's a it's a sliding scale that they can pick whatever number they want, but it's very low. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything. You're right, uh, but I would hope that the teams would be able to discern between a guy that can't go back out there and a guy that has really been dinged up and or, or uh, I'm sorry, a guy that can go back out there and a guy that's been really dinged up and can't cannot go back out there. Um, he just uh, if a guy like Tom Brady were to get hit in the head and have to go back out in an AFC championship game or something like that, you'd have to imagine that they would try and skirt the rules as much as possible. And by they, I mean Tom Brady himself. He's a competitor. He would definitely want to get back out on the field if he was feeling okay, regardless of some protocol that the NFL puts in place. So uh, I'm with you on that. It's, it's, a, it's a kind of a gray area here. And they are taking a step towards – Making things safer, I, I suppose, but they're not. You're right. The penalty again does not. The penalty does not fit the crime. If you're really trying to make some change, you need to make it more of a penalty. Make it something that actually hurts and something that's significant as far as money is concerned. Because too many of these owners out there do only care about their wallets and not necessarily care about what's going on with their players on the field. Yep. All right. Well. I'm out of time. All right. Well, nobody called us at 323-642-1484. Maybe they will next time we have a show. I think next I think next week we're back to Tuesday, man. I think I can do it Tuesday. I will confirm, but I'm pretty sure we're good to go. Um, we did not hear from Liz tonight. And so. I don't want the anyway. But I'm sure we'll hear from her again soon. And anything else? Nothing, sir. I was again looking on ESPN. Uh, the Hasselbacks rode around on a on a bike, tandem bike, bike built for two. That's what everybody needs. Oh, yeah, I've, I've got we, I've got one more topic, Gray. Go ahead. Would, let me ask you. Let me ask you this question, okay? Would <clears throat> Would you rather look like yourself but be the size of a newborn baby, or be your size, but look like a newborn baby version of yourself. Huh. Uh, I had, I think I had a lot of hair as a, as a newborn baby. So I, I'll go with a, my size and looking like that. Because I was kind of cute. Just hope I can keep my eyes open. Yeah, you, you have eyes issues. You have a huge head, like a giant torso. You have like little raptor yeah. fat arms and legs, you know. Be hard oh well, wait a minute! Like wait a minute! Wait a minute! We didn't get into the arms and legs thing. I thought you were just talking about like the way it, I looked. I no, would still no, have no. the same body, but I would I look no, like you a baby. Look, no, you you have a giant baby's body. Yeah, you look like a baby, just a huge baby. 
So I don't have actual arms that work. Is that what you're saying? They work. They're just all like satin, Chris. They're like they they don't work that well, but they work. <laughs> this is a ridiculous question. Um, I I still guess I would rather be a little bit taller so I could drive. Is that because like I don't want to be a less than a foot tall with a beard and. I mean, that sounds very strange. I, yeah, I would, I would have to go with my same height. You'd have to shave in that scenario, right? You can't, you can't have a beard as a one foot tall beard. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I think I would look better without a beard as a tall baby instead of a short, well, as, grown well, man. As a, tall baby, you're not, as a tall baby, you're not growing a beard. I don't think I really understand this question because if my if my arms shrink like a baby when I'm the same height as myself, what do my arms look like as a short man? As the baby sized version of yourself, as the you you look like a tiny version of yourself, just baby size. So your arms are normal; they're just shrunk down. Whereas as the uh, six foot tall baby, you you have longer arms. But you have proportionally baby-sized arms. You know how babies like babies are like you know ninety percent head and torso, and then like their arms and legs are like fat and short. That's what that's what it, they would still be comparatively long to to a baby size. It's just proportional. You know what I'm saying? Uh huh. Yeah. How many people do you think are still listening to the show right now? Uh, I'm not saying I'm not saying the same amount. I'm saying nobody dropped off in the last. I mean, if you stayed this long. Well, our other topics, you're probably still here. I disagree. Okay. I think I think people have lost it because I'm about to lose it. But you might be right. If they've hung on this long, maybe they're just falling asleep or something, or maybe they're at the end of their commute. Thank you all for listening to Kelly's Whispers. Think about that baby question because I know I'm going to have nightmares about it tonight. Calvin, talk to you next week, yeah. buddy. Bye, man. Sounds good. Here we uh, go. Good night, Boom. There it is.